0: has spoken. Heart. Your word is the lamp We will do, path. I'm And we will understand. Oh, 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 oh. I... shama. Today, we're going to talk about discipleship. Jesus wants you to live the greatest life you could ever live. Jesus said there's a thief that has come to steal and kill and destroy. Lots of people's lives are being stolen from and being meaningless and they don't have value. And the Lord says, I don't want that for you. So he came and he died on a cross so that his blood might be shed and our sins would be erased and forgiven. By the way, if you don't understand what that means, I want you to... God wants you to walk out of here cleansed and free. But then he wants you to walk out of here with purpose and life. And what does that mean? It means that you become a follower of Christ. You begin to find your destiny. Well, to do that, there's two things that make up a disciple of who we are. We're a student of the Lord, and we'll get into that in a minute, and you're a servant. So how are you doing as a student? And how are you doing in serving? Now, I I want you to think about that. Now, you may not be aware of this, but Crossroads actually has kind of become a, 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 a somewhat famous, and I mean that in a very real way. There are pastors all over the world who come here to ask about Crossroads, usually about one of three things. They either want to know about Generate and how that's so effective in reaching the next generation. I was just in Chicago. We talked about that. They want to know about Fuse and what we're doing to help marriages here. Yeah, praise God for Fuse. Do you know what else, maybe even as much or more, is BT. BT. I want you to know about BT now, and I want you to know about it during the message. It's called Basic Training, and I want you to see this video that will help you understand more about that. So let's pray, and then we'll watch it. Father, I pray today we would understand that we're called to live a life that's amazing and incredible, and we're called to surrender and to become students and to serve. And oh God, I pray today, we're just committed all three of those in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday was hard on my knees to be on the floor sweeping, but I learned to serve. Today is a good opportunity to touch the life of one person. Today, I won't let my pride take over me. I will allow God to humble me. Today, transformation begins. I will learn from my mistakes. Today, I will do life with others. It is really rewarding to be able to share struggles and overcome them together. Today, I found joy in my life. At times, it gets overwhelming. But God redirects my path. Today, I've learned what it really means to be a servant. In these past three months, it has forever affected how I greet and love others. Wow, today our group became more of a family. We're learning what it is to be disciples. Yeah. Well, in that video was Joe Vargas, who uh, uh, recently retired from the Anaheim Police Department, was very, very high up in leadership there. He would tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. Now, you know, you need this. It will change your life. It's a, it creates a radical transformation over a three-month period of time. And uh, it, it causes discipleship to become very, very meaningful. Uh, I want to have you grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 10 and John chapter 8. The other verses will be up on the screen. Then if you could grab one of these cards, even if you filled it out before, use it kind of as a road map today to discipleship. When we talk about Asa Shema, Asa means to do with all your might. Shema means to understand. As we do, we understand. As we enact truth in our life, we begin to know that truth by experience and it sets us free. This card is actually a 24-7 roadmap of discipleship. If you and I are going to flourish as a disciple, there's not one box on here you should leave unchecked. Not one thing you should not do. Now, thousands of you have already checked it off and committed to this for two years and beyond. I'm going to encourage you today, if you haven't, to think about doing it. Actually, I hope you do it. I hope you do it and don't hold back. But I'd like you to look at it so we can understand together what we're talking about. You see, the great calling of God is that he wants you to be like Christ. A disciple becomes like his teacher or his master. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, 24 and 25 says this. It says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. If I asked you today, if I grabbed you and said, tell me what a disciple is, I hope you'll come back with these two words. He's a student and a servant. You have to be both. You have to be a student and learning from the teacher and a servant and following and serving the master. You and I need to know that's who we are. And and we do that every moment of our life. We're a student and we're a servant. Now notice what it says in verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. And if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? See, the goal of God for you and me is we be like Christ. You should be a living example of how Jesus would act, what he would say, how he would think, and what he would do. To do that, we need to be focused on him. We saw that last week. And when we focus on the Lord, transformation takes place. And then when we end up abiding in him, which we're gonna see today, then fruit is born. And that fruit means we become more and more like Christ. We love like he loves and live like he lives, and that's who we are. And and we need to take that real seriously. Uh, Some years ago, and I've told this before, I used to teach at a church called Christ Church of the Valley. And and Wednesday and Thursday night was my main teaching time. And and God started blessing and it kept growing. And and we ended up leading into Christ, this young mom. And she gave her life to the Lord, but Wednesday night was her night and we didn't have any children's ministry. So the first week after she became a believer, she walked in with this beautiful little girl. I'm going to guess she was five years old, long blonde hair, big brown eyes. And and when she came in, they sat on the front row. And I got to be honest, I saw a five-year-old on the front row, and I thought, I'm in trouble. Well, here's the shocker. As I preached, she listened to every word. Back then, I would preach for an hour or more. And, And I know some of you are going, wait, wait, what? And this little girl would listen, I mean she was on the edge of her seat and it was a little bit eerie because as I would walk she would stare at me and look at me and then after the first couple of weeks I'd see her looking and she'd run over and hug me and then run off and I thought I love this girl I mean I just, I don't know and then, then what would happen is I'd walk up to preach and she'd wave and I'd wave back and, and, and it was just so cool well after a couple months of this I brought in a guest speaker and I introduced him and went and sat down over there and and she's looking, and all of a sudden, she's looking at him and looking at me, and she gets agitated, and she starts whispering to her mom, and her mom's trying to calm her down because they're kind of making a commotion. I'm thinking, what are you doing? You've never done that before. And, and she's going, and the mom's shaking her, and then I see this shock look on her mom's face. And she leans over and tries to whisper. The little girl's not getting it. All of a sudden, the little girl jumps up and runs over to me. She sits down next to me, and my friend's trying to speak, and she cuddles up real close and gets right next to me and, and, I, and, she, and I looked down at her and she said do you like what he's saying <laughs> and I said yeah and she goes okay okay and she got up and ran back to her mom <laughs> well after the service her mother comes over laughing and she goes Pastor Chuck she goes, "Now I know what's going on. I haven't understood it all this time." She see, after I gave my life to Christ, I went home and told my daughter that I met God and said <laughs> then then she said, "I told my daughter that I wanted to take her to church so she could hear from God." And and I never thought that my daughter thought you were God. And when I, I, you know, every week she came in. And, so that was the word of the Lord. And, and then here's the thing. The, God, the girl was going, no, no, I want to hear God. I don't want to hear him. I want to hear God. And then she goes, well, you're going to hear the word of God. And she goes, no, no, no. And she's pointing at me. And she goes, honey, that's not God. She goes, yes, it is. I saw his picture. He looks like that. <laughs> now, you know what hit me? Aren't you glad? And, and, and don't you know how glad I am that I was nice to that little girl? I mean, what if I had walked up and said, be quiet? She would like, go, oh, God just yelled at me, you know? What if I kicked her? Now, I know some of you would say, you wouldn't kick a child. There's some. But, uh, uh, but you know what? Is, is, is I realized how I acted towards her is how she thought God would act towards her. Believe it or not, are you ready? Most of your friends who do not know Jesus Christ look at you and think, that how should a Christian act? Do you realize the vast majority of them aren't asking this question? There are some who ask it, but the majority are not asking, is the Bible true? Do you know what the majority are asking? Does it work? Does it work? And their only way to determine whether it works or not is to look at your life. To see the transformation, to see you becoming like Christ. And, and when you take that on, you become a living image of what Jesus says is, means to be a disciple and to be like him. And you and I, we find the power for that to happen from him. We find the transformation to happen from him. But we've got to be with him to have it happen. And and, and the end up being the greatest life you and I could ever live. And that's what God wants for it. Now, how does that occur? Well, we need to be a student, and we need to be a servant. So, So if we're going to be a student, we must continually be in the Word of God. That's point number one. If you and I are going to be a student, we must consistently and continually be in the Word of God. John 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, now, what do we call that? We call that intentional intimacy. If you have that card in front of you, the I is intentional intimacy that you and I would commit every single day to be a student of the Lord and get into his word and make sure we do it seven days a week. That seven days a week, we get into the word of God, and we pray, and we ask God to show us things, and we read his word, and then we write it down, and we make sure we're doing that all the time. And by the way, that's what a disciple does every single day. Now, I know some of you are going, wait a minute, does the Bible say every single day? And here's the answer. You ready? No. It says twice a day. Did you know that? It actually, if we get honest, God's not saying every day. He says morning and night. The beginning of your day and the end of your day. You meet with me and you get into my word. Where do we find that? Well, one place is Joshua 1. In Joshua 1 in verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so you'll be careful to do all that is written in it. Now catch what it says next. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. God says, get ready. If you do what I'm asking you to do, You will find your way the way you live, being prosperous and having success. Do you want a successful life and a prosperous life? You know what God says? Then be in my word every single day, day and night, and follow it. Be continually in it, be a student of it, and enact it in your life. Then you will see this happen. God promises that. You are not meant to be a failure. You are not meant, you are not meant by God to live a meaningless life. But as you do this, as you're a student of his, you become like Christ. And then you begin to find yourself learning from the Lord, learning of God. And then you start finding prosperity and success in your life. We need to do that. For that to happen, by the way, we got to do something. We got to put on the brakes and stop. We've got to be willing to make intentional time for it. That's why we call it intentional intimacy. And we lived in a fast paced world where we expect everything to happen fast. And you know what the reality is? Discipleship means you have to stop and you have to take time. You have to take time. That's why the I is intentional intimacy. The T on this card is total surrender and time, talent, and treasure. You got to give God time. You got to do it and not miss it. Look at Psalm 1 1 to 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be, now what happens to a person who does this? He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. If you were here last week, we said, remember, you focus on the Lord and you're transformed. Your next thing is you abide in him and bear fruit. Did you catch what happens? It says, if you and I do this, we'll bear fruit. You will yield fruit. Why? Because to abide in the Lord means that I need to be in his word and have his word in me. Jesus in John 15 said, his words need to be in us. We need to be consistently in it. And we can not ever succeed if we're not. Uh, I used to teach at Hope University, and I loved teaching there. As a matter of fact, they invited me to teach. They gave me a choice of some classes. I said, which one do you want of these? And I chose Introduction to Youth Ministry. Man, I wanted to teach the guys and girls to be great at doing youth ministry, to fire them up, to get them excited. I wanted the intro class, so I got them early. And, and, and I was ex- so, I went and pumped. And then it happened. I, I was, I got to be honest, I was surprised at this. This is a ministry class. And if you're taking it, it's because that's the area of your major. And I always had, every semester I taught, three to four students who actually would show up at the first class and then maybe attend one or two other classes and not do their work. What grade do you think they got? What do you think they got? Does that sound fair? Do you know what? Those students almost always would come and challenge me on that. They'd come and say, Well, why'd I get an F? Say, because you weren't in class. You didn't do the work. Well, well, don't don't I at least get a C? No. You got an F and you deserve it. And I hope you flunk out. I mean, I don't want you in ministry. By the way, ready? How you doing with God and being a student? Are a lot of you missing your time and expecting God to bless you? Let's get serious here. I really want to ask you, How how good are you as a student? Because the disciple's a student. Are you studying? Are you doing the work you should do, giving the diligence you should give? I want to ask you. Now, now we got to ask that question honestly. We got to evaluate it. A lot of people go, oh, I'm a Christian. Are you? Oh, I'm a disciple. Are you? Now, he wants you to be you might say, but isn't it by grace? Oh, it's the grace of God that allows you into this. But you've still got something to do. It says, you need to be in the word of God day and night. By the way, if you're not, if you don't want it, that there's something we got to deal with here. And, and I don't want to heap guilt on you, but I want you to think about this honestly. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this in verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander... Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. He said, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, you're gonna crave this. I I gotta say, I don't know how you're on. I am so glad we only have seven days left of the fast. Anybody else glad we're on, you know, seven days left? All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm loving the fast, but I am dying for things. Uh, I'm not allowed bread and sweets. And Pam and I were just in Chicago, and they, I, I, we ordered a deep dish pizza. And I had to eat out the insides and not touch the crust. And I know the crust is incredible. I've had the crust before. It was crying out to me just get a little bit on your fork, as you, you know. And you know why I was craving it? Because I've tasted how good it is. And then the place I ate at, Giordano's, which is some of the best pizza in the world. They also have some of the best cheesecake in the world. So there's deep dish pizza and cheesecake like this, and I'm looking at it. Oh, I prayed so good. I, <laughs> But I've tasted how good it is, so I crave it. If you taste how good the word of God is, you'll crave it. If you taste the kindness of the Lord, you're going to crave his word. That's what you're going to want. Why? By the way, because it's about intimacy. Are you, and if you're going, oh, so Chuck, you're saying i got to read the Bible. I'm saying, no, you get to spend time with the Lord. You get to spend time in intimate interaction with the Lord. That's what it's about. And you ought to do that morning and night, but you ought to at least do it seven days a week. And by the way, are you ready for this? Uh, 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 An exhaustive study was done a few years ago called the Reveal Study. And it was asking how people in the United States in particular who attend church regularly are doing in their growth with God. This will not surprise you. But it came out as a glaring truth. Those people who are regularly in, the Word of, regularly in the Word of God are the ones who are growing the most. That doesn't shock you, does it? But how about this? They also said they're experiencing the most life transformation. In other words, if without being in the Word of God every day, it's just not going to happen. In the Word of God every day, you can't stop it from happening. So you and I need to be in the Word of God. And we need to be like a baby that craves it. I, I don't want to be gross on this, but I got to tell you what this true story Uh, When Pam and I had our first child, she had decided that she wanted to nurse the child. Uh, And and so what happened is that meant that because she had had a cesarean, that in, in the you know, two in the morning, our, our little boy Rich would start screaming because he was hungry. And man, that kid had a voracious appetite. And that meant I had to get up and get him because she couldn't because of the cesarean. By the way, I decided even after she healed, I would just make that my routine. So here he was screaming and crying at two, wanting his food. And I'd get up and I'd change his diaper. But he didn't want his diaper changed. He wanted food. So the longer I took, the more upset he would get. Ah, ah, And his little lips are going because he just wants to eat. And then I would get him into Pan Man and he, he just would go for it. Well, one night I was a little tired and I lifted him in the air to bring him to Pam and he got close to my cheek and he latched on and, and he's going. I'm like, ow, that hurts. and I, He bruised me. I went to work the next day and people go, did Pam hit you? No, it was my son. He tried to nurse my cheek. and uh, That little boy's mouth, I mean, you can hang him on a wall. I mean, yeah. He craved like a baby should because he was healthy. Healthy children crave food like that. And and you know what healthy Christians do too? We crave the word of God. So we need to continually be in the word of God. And if you've never checked that off, I'll tell you, check it off and turn it in and say, that's who I'm gonna be. The next thing we do, are you ready? A person who wants to experience true discipleship will continually be in the word of God and be a student. They also will abide in Christ and be a servant. Now, where are we going with that? Well, 1 John 2 verse six says this. The one who says that he abides in Jesus or in him ought himself to walk in the same manner that he walked. If you and I truly abide in Christ, you know what we ought to do? We ought to walk the way Jesus walked. We ought to live the way he lived. Now you might say, okay, what are you getting at? Well, now go to John 13. It's the time where Jesus has just washed feet. He knows he only has hours to live. He's not gonna waste a minute or a moment. So he does one of the most important things he could do As they're arguing over who's the greatest and who's going to be served, Jesus gets up and does the serving. He uh, puts on the apron of a slave and he washes each of their feet, which is a menial job, dirty job. And then he sits back down. And in verse 12, it says, So when he had finished washing their feet and taking his garment and reclining at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Did you catch that? I gave you an example. I want you to be a servant. I want you to look around at the people around you and ask, how can I make a difference in their life? How can I be there for them? I don't want you walking around going, who's gonna serve me? Verse 16 says, truly, truly, a slave is not greater than his master, nor the one sent greater than the one who sent him. Now, now here's the thing. My prayer, because Jesus wants this, is that Crossroads would be a great church. Do you know what would make us a great church if every single person here was a disciple? And what would be a proof that everybody is a disciple is disciples would walk into this building not looking to be served, but to serve. You wouldn't walk in here going, who's going to meet my need? Who's going to take care of me? You would walk in and saying, how can I make a difference? How can I serve? And by the way, God may have been speaking to you all the time. I'll give you an example. If you're a parent and you went to check in your child, you go, what is going on with this church? It takes forever to check in my child. Why can't they get their act together? Then you should have just volunteered to help check in children. Don't you think so? Yeah, if you're standing in the cafe line going, yeah, let's say that. You know, you should. If you're standing in the cafe line going, why does it take forever? They should get more volunteers. Guess what God just told you to do? Well, I don't know if I should serve coffee. Oh, why not? You should be a servant. Well, you know, the communion tray got to me and it was too slow. Why aren't you helping serve communion? How come there's trash on the floor? Why aren't you picking it up? No, I'm serious about this. Every time you complain, I think the Holy Spirit just told you you should go make a difference and quit complaining. That's what disciples do. And that's how we ought to be. (laughs) JT was telling me a story about my dad that a man actually went to him back when he was a new believer and JT was serving communion. Are you ready for this? When you serve, you're going to meet people who complain. And JT went to help serve communion. This guy went up and complained to him. And so JT went to my dad and said, that guy just complained. And my dad said that he just volunteered. You go tell him and he starts serving. (laughs) By the way, if you're one of the leaders in the church, next person who complains to you, you get their name and number. They just volunteered. (laughs) Does everybody agree with that? I think that's out of (laughs) you. By the way, there's no spiritual gift of complaining. If you don't go, but that's my gift, to point out everything wrong. You know, the Bible says there are different parts of the body. There are the eyes, there are the ears. Some of you are the heels. (laughs) And uh, you know what? Don't be anymore. And, and, And God wants you to do that. Jesus said, do you realize what I just did in the most important moment of my life? With my heart breaking and the cross impending before me. You know what I did? I served. And notice the last verse, verse 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you're in the word of God every day, you'll have success and prosperity. If you serve every day, you'll find blessing in your life like you can't believe. But if you know it and don't do it, there's no blessing. So here's the question now. How good of a student are you and how well do you serve? If you're serving, you know you're serving. You know the ministry you have. And by the way, the I is intentional intimacy, being with the Lord and being a student. The T is total surrender of your time and your talent. God gave you a spiritual gift, and he wants you to use it. He wants you to use it. And you're never going to enjoy life without it. By the way, you might sit and go, Chuck, this is a tough one because I came here and I'm hurting. I'm even having to fight off depression. Do you know what every great counselor and psychologist will tell you is one of the greatest ways to get rid of depression? And you guys, are, do you already know this one? One of the best tools to do away with depression, go serve someone else. That really is. It, go do something. If you right now say, man, I'm hurting and my life is tough, then join Adopt-A-Block. You, you, you might go, that's heartless. No, 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 that's because we care. That's because you're blessed when you do. You're blessed when you do. You don't get salvation because you're doing it. You do it because you have salvation. You're blessed when you do it. And and then what's the last thing? I want to make sure we get to this. Uh, Notice what it says in 1 John, because we ought to walk how he walked. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, it says this. It says, no one who abides in him sins, and no one who has sinned has seen him or knows him. You see, when I'm a student, I'm not gonna sin because it says in Psalm 119 that that how does a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? Uh, And then how do we find ourselves battling and having victory against sin? It's by serving and being like him. The more I'm in his presence, the more I abide in him, the more I'm going to say no to sin. That's just how it is. That's what I'm going to do. Look at that again. No one who abides in him sins, and no one has sinned, sees him or knows him. See, God wants you to do that. You might say, but how does that work? Well, see, if I abide in the Lord, and I am practicing the presence of God, I'm not going to sin. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I'm really angry at Pam, and I want to yell at her. I just, I, I just, I even want to. I want to yell at her. And, and, and then Jesus decides, you know, I've decided, Chuck, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to physically be present with you. So the Lord's standing there. I'm going go, thank you for her, Lord. Thank you. She shows the error of my life. Thank you. I can practice unconditional love, right? You know, would you yell at someone with Jesus standing there? Would you cuss with Jesus standing there? You know, would you drink maybe what you drink with Jesus sitting there looking at you? Would you be on the computer if he was there? I believe with all my heart, I know the best way to help young girls practice, practice abstinence. Do you know what it is? If you're a dad, go on every date with your daughter. <laughs> I, I think that's a good one. And when you're with the Lord, it, it, it just, you don't want to do those things because it's like, oh, by the way, it's interesting that the Greek meaning of that word sin, did you catch in verse six, it says, it says this, and no one who abides in him sins. You go, wait a minute, I've sinned before. The Greek word there uh, is in the imperative tense, which means it's a fact. So it's, th- this really is true, but it's also in the present tense. It's the imperative voice in the present tense. The present tense means you don't continually sin. You may blow it in the moment, but you're not going to continually do it when you're abiding in him. It's not that you won't have a time of failure, but you'll stop and go. Lord, I just can't believe I did it. And then He's going to love on you and care for you and help you. The presence of God. I had a couple one time come to my office, and they were sitting there. They they were in college and very serious about each other. And I said, "What's up?" And they said, "A couple nights ago, we fell." And they said, "We don't know what to do. We never want to do that again. Um, man, we're convicted." Do we need to break up? Is there any other way? And I I said, well, that might be the best thing to do. Once you've taken down the walls, it's hard to put them back. And they said, well, we'll do that if we need to. Do you have any other advice? And I said, yeah, I've got one. Why don't you go to Home Depot and buy some nails? Make sure they're big ones so that if you ever hug, you can feel the nail. And then I want you to sit and pray and say, Lord, these nails are gonna symbolize To me, the nails that were put into your hands when you were on the cross. And um, I'm gonna never, ever quit thanking you for dying for my sins. And I said, You make sure you pray that till you mean it and you put those nails on. Then the next time you're together, make sure those nails are big enough that if you start to do something, you have to take off the nail that reminds you what Jesus died for and throw it aside so you can do what you're about to do. And you know what? They did it, and they stayed pure. What if you had a nail like that? The way you drove, everything you just felt it and said, Lord, I wouldn't, you died for that. By the way, he did die for that because he loves you. He died for that because he cares about you. He died for that because he wants you completely forgiven and cleansed. He died for that because he wants you transformed. He died for that because not just that he wants to forgive and cleanse you, he wants you to live this incredible life. This new way of living, being a disciple, a follower, being a student, and being a servant. And when you live that way, it changes everything. He wants that for you. He wants it for you. And today, I want to tell you, just, I'm hoping and praying a lot of you here say, you know what, I I haven't done this yet. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to hold back. If he would die for me, I'm going to live for him. And those four things on here, the idea of intentional intimacy and total surrender, experiencing more, that I'm going to... Let him take me to places where I can experience more. I'm going to love the way he loves. I'm going to do that. And I hope you commit to it. I'm hoping a lot of you today join with us in saying, I want to be living the life in the way of a disciple. Today, there are some of you, though, you need to make even a bigger commitment than that. Not only should you fill out the card, you need to pray and say to the Lord, I want to give my life to you completely. Uh, Some of you, for the first time, some of you are Christians, but it's time to recommit. Some of you need to get baptized. The Bible says go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I command you. By the way, didn't you think it was incredible an 83-year-old man got baptized today? Yeah. And I want to tell you to God, to God it would be just as incredible if some of you would. It would be just, because he loves you that much. It's something you share with him. So right now, what I'm going to do is go to a time of prayer. And if you need to be baptized, I'm going to have you pray about that. And by the way, it should be your choice. You should choose to do it. No one can choose it for you. Some of you today need to recommit your life to the Lord and say, you know what? I haven't been living all out for him. And Lord, forgive me. I I really want to commit myself to you again. I I want to have like a vow renewal with you. I want to say yes to you again. Some of you, I'm hoping for the very first time will give your life to Christ. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is we're going to pray. And if the Lord stirs and touches you or you just know you want this, I'm going to ask you today to say, you know what? I'm not going to walk out of here without saying yes to God. I'm going to do that and let him take me. Then if you pray that prayer in a moment, I'm going to ask when we stand to sing for you to make your way to an hour of the stairs and to come forward. We'll greet you here and be excited for you and have you go to this room. And we want to give you some things and share some things with you. We want to get your name so people can pray for you all week. But I, I'm just going to ask you, if you pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something that bold and that out of the box and that courageous. I'm going to ask you to, to step out. And by the way, you might say, why? Well, when we pray and say to God, yes, I'm yours, that is so incredible and so meaningful. And then when what happens is you actually act on it. You make this day special. The Bible teaches that's what you do. By doing something like that, by coming out. And I know it's scary. And if you want to grab someone and say, come with me, you can. But what happens is you say, God, I will never be the same. I'm stepping out today. You will find you and God connecting. And as much as I want to share things with you back here and get things into your hands, and we want to give you things, even more, there's something that happens when you step out. So I'm hoping today is a day of change, a day of saying yes, a day of healing, a day of joy for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for the person who's sitting here that needs to surrender to you completely. They need to literally say, no more holding back. Oh God, I pray today that they're feeling your touch right now and they want to say yes to you. Father, I pray for the person who's here today and they're hurting and they need healing. And Lord, you want to heal them. You want to take away all the pain and their hurt. You don't want it to define their life anymore. I pray today they're ready to throw themselves into your arms and and say yes to you. I pray, oh God, for the person who's here today that they, they deep down know it's time to give their life to you. I pray, Lord, they will. And I pray for the person today who needs to start being the student, the servant. God, I pray they're realizing this is the life they were meant for. So I pray you're touching people, Lord. I pray for a person who's sitting here today and deep down they know that they need to choose to be baptized. Oh God, I pray that they would not hold back anymore and they wouldn't wouldn't allow anything, tradition, what other people think to stop them from saying yes to you. So God, we pray today you're gonna call people. I want us to keep praying because I'm praying God's going to call some of you to say yes to him and if he is I'm going to ask you to do this let's pray a prayer together right where you're sitting if you want to say yes to God or recommit pray this prayer with me say Lord Jesus just say those words say Lord Jesus I know you love me and I know you died on the cross so that I would be forgiven of all my sin I'd be cleansed completely That I, Lord, would find healing from all hurt and pain. That you would free me from myself and my past from any fear. And I know you want me to be yours. And I know you want me to be new. And I know you want me to be truly alive and to live. And so I say yes. Yes, I want you and yes, I want the life you have for me. So I open my heart to you. Just say those words. I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and draw me close to you because I'm yours. I say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. Praise God.